Good morning. It's uh, great to see you all this morning, and welcome to those of you who are joining us on live stream. It's a good way to start the new year, isn't it? To be together, to worship our God. Uh, just a couple of announcements. Um, a reminder that uh, for those of you who join in communion, it's at uh, four o'clock this afternoon. And the second one is that we've got some calendars left over from the distribution around the town. Um, and uh, if you'd like to pick one up or have pick some up to give to your friends, then um, please do. Um, they're there in the foyer for anyone who wants to collect them. We're here to worship God. It's great to think of the baby in the manger that we've been thinking of over Christmas time. But today we're going to hear from the voice of Jesus. The passage that John's going to be teaching from later is perhaps one of the most famous pieces of Jesus' teaching. And I don't actually think that John is going to be able to cover all of the great truths and all of the application to all of us here. It's just more than he'll have time for, apart from anything else. So as we read God's word, think about what it's saying to you. Jesus is really clear. So let's see what he's saying to us as we worship him today. But there's lots before we get on to that. And uh, we're going to start by worshipping together uh, a great song that might be new to many of you. Um, But we're going to sing about our God who is the Ancient of Days. So let's stand and sing.
Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that we can come to you. We can come as children to the glorious God, the one who has ruled since before time began, and that you have never, ever stopped ruling this world, and you never will. Oh Lord, we thank you that one day, This earth will be filled with the glory of our God like the waters cover the sea. And Lord, we do pray that that day will come soon. Oh Lord, we are conscious how far from that situation we are in at the moment. But we do thank you that through this world, your good news is changing people's lives. Oh Lord, we, we thank you that In countries like Iran, thousands of people are coming from darkness into your glorious light. Oh Lord, we pray that for our country. We pray that there will be a change in this year. That we will see more light coming. Oh Lord, we pray for those of us here who know you. Those of us who are called to be your light bearers. Oh Lord, we, we do thank you for the hope that we have. And Lord, we pray you'll help us to share that hope. And Lord, we thank you that that hope is a, a real and a firm hope. That one day we will be forever with you. That we will know you and we will see you as you see us. Oh Lord, we thank you for for that confidence. Oh Lord, we thank you that Steve is now in glory with you. Oh Lord, we thank you that he had a firm and a quiet faith in you. And that he is enjoying your presence forever. And it is far better for him now. And Lord, we thank you that we don't just say that as a pious set of words. But we know that he is with you. And that he is enjoying you. Oh Lord, we pray. We pray for those of us who are left. We pray for those who especially feel the loss of Steve. And Lord, we pray that you will be with Christy. And with each of the children. Oh Father, we thank you that you let yourself be known as the God of the fatherless and the widow. And we pray that you'll comfort them. We pray that you'll give them strength. And we pray that in some strange way this awful situation will be a blessing to them. And Lord, we pray that same, same blessing for all of the family, all of us who are Steve's friends. Oh Lord, we pray that you will bless us. Oh Lord, we, we thank you that you are a God who is more powerful and more loving and more glorious than we can even begin to express. And we're sorry that we don't know that closeness to you, nor do we shine out your light in the way that we should. And Father, I ask for for us, Lord, that that you will help us 
not to waste our lives. Lord, I pray that you will help us to live lives which are thoughtful and intentional and trying to do what we can. Oh Lord, we know that we will give an account to you for every moment of our lives. So Lord, help us not to waste our lives by not thinking about our lives, by just carrying on, by just vegging out. Oh Lord, help us to make our lives count. And Lord, I I pray that you will help us to be those who, who don't invest our lives in our own pleasures, our own desires, our own ambitions and our own plans. But Lord, that you will help us to be those who want to know you most of all. And that's what we invest our lives in. And because we know you, we do everything that we do out of love to you, out of joy in what you give us. Oh Lord, you you know that some of us struggle with anxiety. Oh Lord, I pray that you will help us not to worry about things, especially things that we can't do anything about, but to cast our cares on you, knowing that you care for us. Oh Lord, do, do... Particularly, help us not to be paralysed by fear of the unknown, fear and uncertainty. Oh Lord, help us to follow the example of our brothers and sisters in persecuted countries where they go forward with your good news knowing that there's danger, knowing that there's opposition, but knowing that you're with them. Oh Lord, we do ask for that. And Lord, we pray as well that you will help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you about the things that are standing between us. Oh Lord, we know that you're a holy God and that you cannot stand to look on our selfishness, to look on the bad choices that we deliberately make, to look on the things that when we don't do what we should have done, when we don't love you like we should and we we don't love other people. Oh Lord, help us not to hide away our sins. Help us not to pretend that that's not happening, but help us to confess our sins to you. Oh Lord, help us to battle against our sins, but most of all, help us to confess our sins and know that they have been forgiven by you so that we have that closeness of enjoying your presence and that sense of the privilege of bringing glory to you. Oh Lord, we are glad that we don't have to guess at what you want, but we have your word, your word that's completely reliable. And Lord, we pray that you will open our ears to hear what you're saying and our hearts and our minds and our feet and our hands and every part of us to do what you want us to. Oh Lord, we we ask that so that our lives will bring glory to you. Amen.
We're now going to read the first of three Bible readings that we have. So we're going to read the first of one, and this is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start our reading at verse 25. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Well, our next song is very much along the lines of uh, what we've just been reading. It's, uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And after that, John Hitch is going to be doing the children's talk.
Good morning. Happy New Year. Good to see you all. Good. Okay. Right, so, well, this morning I've got here a picture of a castle. And um, I want you to describe to me what a castle's like. So imagine somebody had never seen a castle before and didn't know what it was for. What kind of words would you use to describe a castle? Yeah. Um, exciting. Exciting, yeah. Royal. Royal. They're normally really big. Yep. Anything else? Yeah. Rich people, yeah? Secure. Secure. Good one. Yeah. What they're normally made of? Yeah? Bricks. Bricks. Yeah, or even bigger things than that. Stone. Stone. Great big stones. The walls are really thick. But one of the key things about it is it's a secure place, isn't it? So where, where, might you, where might you run? Let me show you a couple of photos of um, that come up very big. Oh, that's really small, isn't it? Can you see that? That's Dover Castle. You might have been to Dover Castle. Where do you think is going to be the safest place to hide when the enemy comes to invade? Anyone? Yeah? In the middle. Yeah, what's in the middle there? A big, great big, yeah. Big fortress, yeah, or a big tower. Yeah, big, big place of safety. What about this one? Uh, do you know what castle that is? Might have been there. Have a go. Not Heaver, no. Do you know? Um, Can, queen? Or the Queens. It might have been belonged to a king or queen originally, yeah. No, it begins with B. Bo- well done, Bodium Castle, yeah. And that's been there for over 600 years made so big and strong. But can you see, there's water all around it, so it's hard, would be hard to invade that castle. And the people inside must have felt very safe, hopefully. Uh, I know lots of castles did get invaded, but the idea was run to safety. Trouble's coming, run to safety, run to be secure. Great word. And um, and there's another one. I don't know where this one is, but I, lo- I like the picture because there was water all around and the st- it just would be impossible to get in there, wouldn't it? you'd hopefully feel really safe in a place like that. Now, we don't have castles to live in, do we, ourselves? We live in houses. But where do you go to feel safe? Where do you feel most safe? Perhaps you had a hard day at school and, um, and, and you're going to feel safe, hopefully, somewhere. Where, where do you feel safe? Alone. Alone when you're on your own? Okay, so nobody's pestering you, yeah? Where might you feel safe? At home. At home, yeah. Who's at home? When we get home at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, our parents, yeah. And they care for us. They make us feel safe, don't they? And, um, and it's a place to hide from everyone else in the day, isn't it? It's a place where we're safe from the rain and the cold. And we normally feel safe at home, don't we? It's a good place to be. Well, I've got a Bible verse this morning. And it's this. Let's say it together, shall we? Are you ready? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Okay. I wonder what that means. So another way of saying it is we could say is God is a strong place of safety. And people who are right with God can run to him to be safe. But God isn't an actual tower made of stones, is he, and, and blocks and, and, and that kind of thing. So what does it mean to run into 
the name of the Lord. Now, if you run into something, normally you get a headache, don't you? Or it's a dangerous thing to do. So what does it mean to run into, not necessarily into God, but run into the name of God? How are we going to work that one out? Would well, you remember at the beginning, I said, use some words to describe what a castle is. Now I want you to use some words to describe what God is, because that's what his name is, what his character. So can you think of some things? Powerful, God is powerful, yeah? God is kind, God is mighty, God is merciful, God is loving, yeah, Flynn? God is strong, yeah? Jesus has great power. Yeah, what about you? We care for him. Pardon? We care for him. He cares for us. He cares for us, yeah. God cares, yeah? He watches us. Okay, while we're slumbering, while we're sleeping, God watches over us. So we've just thought, just very quickly, you've done really well, just thought some of the character of God. And what this verse is saying is that there's great safety in knowing what God is like. Um, and that's where we find safety in God, in his character. But how does knowing what God is like make us feel safe? And um, so I've just got a couple. Who's going who's gonna to put some of these on the board for me? Okay, come on, Flynn, your name's up. So we're just going to look at three characters of God and just try and work out how can these things make us feel safe. Do you want to do it together? Okay, right, if you stick that on the castle in the middle at the top, just somewhere there. Okay, can you read that for us, Flynn? God knows. God knows. Okay. Are you going to do one as well? Good. Okay. It was good to have volunteers. Really keen ones. Okay. How about putting that one just below here? Can you do that in the middle? Well done. And can somebody read that for Yeah. Would you like to read it? Are we going to come and put one up? Yeah, come on. You come and put one up. Who's going to read this one for us? Go on, Jess. Read this one. God is in charge. And you stick this one on. Underneath. Well done. Can you read what that says? Well done, God is good. God knows, God is in charge, God is good. Let's just have a really quick look at these. So God knows. Well, one thing that's good is that your parents know lots, don't they? So they know where your lost shoes are, or do they? They know where your socks are, and you've just, they don't know. They know what time you need to be at school. They know what time you need perhaps picking up, what time your club is. They know exactly when your birthday is. They know so much about you, don't they? That's great, isn't it? And that makes us feel safe, that someone older than us, our parents, know about us. Well, it's a great thing to know that God knows everything. And not just about today and about what you're doing, whether you're looking at me right now or whether you're distracted. Ah, call you out. (laughs) He knows what's going on this coming year for you. And every day of this coming year. He knows what's going to happen on the 23rd of April at 2.33 in the afternoon where you'll be. God knows everything about us. You say, well, well, God could know everything, but can he do anything about anything? Because it'd be okay for somebody to know everything, but the next, what about the next one? God is in charge. So that means he not only knows everything in the future, but he's in charge of it all. And he knows, he has a plan for everything. Things don't just happen with God. He makes and keeps his plans and his promises. So that's even better to know that he not only knows everything about this coming year for us, but he's in charge. So nothing happens to us in our lives without God's permission. 
without him knowing. And you could say, well, that's all very well, but what if God was mean? Well, our third one is God is good. God is always good. And this is all from the Bible. It's not just what's coming out of my head. This is all in the Bible. God is always good. Even when it doesn't look like he's being good to us, the Bible says that he's always good. So how do those three help? They help hugely, don't they? So when we're, when we're going through difficulties in life, when life's hard, when we're sad, when we're scared of tomorrow, when we're afraid of people, when we're afraid of things, this verse tells us to run into God because we know that he knows everything so we don't need to fear. We know that he's in charge so that he never makes mistakes. And we know that he always is good. So if we're trusting in him, things always in the end work out good for us. I think that's a great... Joel, that's something that's really sad. Lots of people in the world, when difficult things happen, rather than running into God and finding safety and peace and trust, they run away from God. And that's really sad. There's a, there's a song that we're going to sing this evening, and the chorus goes like this. Somebody who's found safety in God has peace with God and trusts him. He says, I know who holds the future and he'll guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow with its problems, large or small, I'll trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. Good, you've listened really well. I think it might be a good idea. I'll bring this board back again another time and we'll put some more on there. Think about it again, maybe. Good, well done. Okay. Thanks, John. So we're going to now look at our uh, next um, Bible readings. Um, And the first of these is found in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to start our reading at verse 21. And Jesus is talking to the crowd and he says, You have heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Then our third reading is in Matthew chapter 20.
Can we start reading at verse 34? And God's word reads like this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So John's going to be teaching us from these parts of God's words and some other parts in a little bit. But before that, uh, we're going to sing our next song, which is Forgive Our Sins As We Forgive which is quite a hard, hard thing to be singing, isn't it? But Jesus calls us to forgive as much as we want to be forgiven. So let's stand and sing. Many years ago, a leading industrialist was talking with a self-styled management consultant, Charles Schwab, said to him, that's the industrialist, if you can show us a way to get more things done, I'll be glad to listen, and if it works, I'll pay you whatever you ask within reason. Lee, the management consultant, handed Schwab a blank piece of paper and said, write down the most important things you have to do tomorrow. 
Mr. Schwab did so. Now, Lee continued, number them in order of importance. Schwab did so. Tomorrow morning, start on number one and stay with it until you've completed it. Then go on to number two and number three and number four. Don't worry if you haven't completed everything by the end of the day. At least you will have completed the most important projects. Do this every day. After you've been convinced of the value of this system, have your men try it. Try it as long as you like and then send me your cheque for whatever you think the advice is worth. The two men shook hands and Lee left the President's office. A few weeks later, Charles Schwab sent Ivy Lee a cheque for $25,000, an astronomical amount in those days. He said it was the most profitable lesson he had ever learnt in his business career. I was at a school parents' evening. Once one of the assistant principals was making a point from the front. It was an illustration perhaps you've heard before. He had a, a range of size pebbles on his desk and a jar. First he put in the smaller pebbles and in the end the bigger ones didn't fit. Then he redid it, bigger pebbles first and all the other ones fitted in the jar nicely. Well, both of those illustrate the importance of priorities, whether you'll follow that through quite as simplistically as it said, they both emphasise the importance of priorities, putting first things first, making room for the big things. And that's a good mindset as we go into a new year. And it's something that Jesus gets us to do in the Gospel of Matthew. A few years ago, I remember Keith, you know Keith here, uh, Keith Gilbert preaching elsewhere today, uh, mentioning to me that there's quite a few firsts in the book of Matthew. It's lingered in my mind and this morning is the time when I thought, yeah, it would be good to look at some of those to help us as we go into the new year. It's the first Sunday of a new year. There is the year ahead and it's good to think about what's important as we go forward. What do we want 2022 to be like? How are we going to approach it? For many of us, our life has been shaken. We've had somebody very close to us taken in their prime and it's rocked us and jolted us and perhaps it's made us think, what is life about? Where is my life going? What's important to me? It's a good time for us to think about what are the most important things according to Jesus. What are some of the priorities? We're going to see five from the book of Matthew. Three of them are in the Sermon of the Mount. Two of them are later on in the book of Matthew. What are they? Where are, what does Jesus say first do this? What will help us to put first things first as we go forward in our lives and as we start a new year? Well, if you were to name one, I suspect you would name this first one. So let's start here. We've uh, read about it. We've sung about it. First, seek God's kingdom. First, seek God's kingdom. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's on a passage, in a passage on worry, things that fill our minds, uh, many concerns, what are, what, what are we going to eat, uh, how, what should we wear, how are things going to happen? So many things to sort out in life, to think that we overthink, we plan. Sometimes we overplan, we get obsessive. Things are excessive in our mind. Our mind gets crowded with so many things. And we can, in all of that, forget God. We can forget his heavenly, fatherly care. Uh, we can live like those who don't know God, Jesus says in verse 33, 32, for The Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And then he says in verse 33, but seek first in the midst of all your worries, all your concerns, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What is it to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness? really means to seek God's agenda, doesn't it? To follow God's agenda. To think of his concerns. To think of what he sees as right. To follow his leadership in life. To do what pleases him. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's agenda as you go forward. Life is busy. There's essays to be done. There's revision to, 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 to get done before the exams or the mocks. There are so many children to sort out in family life. It's a tough job you're doing at the minute. Maybe you're struggling to make ends meet. You have lots of enjoyable uh, pastimes and hobbies and interests which take up your time. You have legitimate concerns. They need time. They need thought. But Jesus says, this is the big pebble. This is the big pebble. Don't let it stay outside the jar. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's that mean this coming year? In terms of life terms of usefulness, following God's agenda. Well, if we want to follow God's agenda, we want to know his word. Perhaps you got a bit out of touch with God's word towards the end of last year. Do you want it to be a bit more part of your life as you go into this next year? different ways of doing that. Bible apps, which uh, read the Bible to you if you're not a great reader and you do get time on a journey to listen. Other things which break down Bible reading schemes into manageable amounts, which are realistic. Heard of quite a big group of men uh, this last couple of days who were looking to um, read the New Testament through in the coming year. So you can do that five chapters a day and then you can do something different or recap or tie into Sundays or whatever at weekends. Uh, That's perhaps perhaps where you're at. That's a realistic target for you, yeah. Knowing God's word, drinking it in, having it in our heart. 
seeking first God's kingdom. I remember somebody used to set their alarm for 6.33. Maybe feels very early for some. But part of the reason why they picked such a strange time as 6.33 was to remind them of this verse at the start of the day. Seek first the kingdom of God. Perhaps, actually, for you, the priority has been in God's kingdom. You need to be in the kingdom. You need to be safe in the Lord. You're thinking about getting into college, getting into university. You're thinking about being in with a group of friends. Maybe you're thinking about whether your team is going to get into Europe. But you yourself, being in the kingdom, being right with God through Jesus Christ because you've trusted in him, because you've believed in Christ, maybe that's the first thing. Seek first God's kingdom. That's one of the things. That's a big thing. But we have another one. And these are going to be slightly different. I hope I'm not going to stretch you too much. You may feel it's dotting around, but I've just gone through, really, Matthew, and picked out the ones where Jesus says, first. And this is the second first. First, mend relationships. First, mend relationships. Actually, going back a chapter... So we're we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter 5 of Matthew. Jesus here is going through some of the Old Testament teaching and saying what it really meant and what it really means in people's lives. He's going deeper into our hearts. He's unpacking it. Here particularly, he's unpacking the... um, that the, the commandment, do not murder, and he's focusing on anger and resentment. And this is what he says in Matthew five twenty three to 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. First be reconciled. Mend your relationship. And it seems quite abrupt. It's as if somebody's heading to church and they do a three-point turn or a U-turn and they head off instead to bang on somebody's door and to get right with them. Or maybe they're even having their Bible, reading, they're following their app, they're seeking first God's kingdom, but they realise something is wrong, so they put down their Bible app and instead they go onto WhatsApp or texting or emailing and they need to send a message to somebody they've got to say sorry to. And they've got to put things right. The importance of mending relationships, lessening the tension, apologising, Jesus says of the importance of mending relationships before you carry on. So the the God of religious worship, yes, is also the God of human relationships. We need to acknowledge his lordship in both. And if relationships have got very wrong, it's a priority for them to be put right Would that be a good thing early in this year? Put relationships right. Perhaps it's literally a a relative. It seems to be here. You need to put it right with a relative. Perhaps Christmas have soured things, caused some tensions. The air needs to be cleared a bit. Perhaps it's a spiritual brother or sister that things have gone haywire with. And really, you just can't carry on with a sour, tense relationship like you've got at the minute. Jesus says, first, be reconciled. 
Stop your Bible reading. So I heading off to church. That's what, that's what, that's what he's sort of trying to say. Get it right with them. Well, relationships are tricky, aren't they? They're complicated. Maybe a big sort out is necessary in, in one of our relationships, talking it through. Or maybe at least we need to start closing the gaps of the tension by making some positive moves and gestures and to keep closing that gap to improve that relationship as the year goes on. Good thing at the start of the year to think about. Very involved with the church life maybe, with worshipping, with serving. Well, that's good. That's part of seeking first the kingdom of God. But if the if there's a bad relationship which you can do something about, Jesus says it's a big thing and it needs to be sought out, out first. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. First things first. First seek God's kingdom. First mend relationships. The third first is this. It's not on mine, is it? It's there now. First, notice your own faults. First, notice your own faults. So we're on a a a couple of chapters now. We're in chapter 7 of Matthew, the last of the Sermon on the Mount. Chapters there, 5 to 7. The subject is judging. Um... That's something our culture relates to, I think, quite a bit at the minute. We're quite sensitive about being judged. Are you judging me? I just felt I was being judged by the person. It's a a value in the culture at the minute. We don't like being judged. Well, it's something that Jesus talks about. He talks about it here in Matthew 7. Sadly, religious people can be rather good at judging. That is, unfairly criticising uh, looking down on, um, being over-critical, being over-condemning. Con- uh, it makes us feel better, it puffs us up. Well, if we're looking down on them, we must be good. We feel as though we're floating because we're judging others. And Jesus has some advice for us if we start to fault-find in this way. His advice to us comes in Matthew 7 and verses 4 to 5. It's very pictorial language. He says, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the picture is really quite funny. You've got, you've got somebody trying to look to see a little speck of, of dust in somebody's eye and at the same time as they're pointing out and you've got to deal with that problem. You see that? You've got a little speck in the corner of it and you've got a log coming out of your own eye, a branch. And Jesus says, first you've got to get the log out of your own eye before you start inspecting the specks in your friend's eye. Uh, so we find ourselves quickly condemning somebody, repeatedly condemning somebody, enjoying condemning somebody, unfairly condemning somebody. They shouldn't be doing that. You say, I wouldn't do something like they're doing. I wouldn't be doing that. You need to sort out your problem, my friend. 
And Jesus says, first. First. Before you get carried away with them. Maybe You may be listening to this. Maybe you're saying, well, I hope Sandra's listening to this. Sandra's terribly judgmental. But maybe before you put Sandra in the frame and hope that she's listening, you need to be thinking of your own uncharitable, quick-to-criticise, haughty spirit. Sometimes people advise when they get angry, count to ten, aren't they, before they act. Well, in a similar way, when we're keen to criticise somebody else, it's good to look first at ourselves. You know, when you're learning to drive, one of the things you're taught to do before virtually any manoeuvre is to look in the mirror first. See what's happening. Make sure it's clear. Make sure it's safe before you do anything. And Jesus says that when you're tempted to criticise, come down on others, first look in the mirror. First, see how it is with you. We can be so easily blind to our own faults, Jesus says. Was that a good thing as we go forward into the coming year? Are we getting a little bit too big for our boots? It is embarrassing how quickly we can condemn others and then find, actually, we're a person in a glass house throwing a stone and people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Part of what will help us in this, I think, is remembering that God is overall, that as God is the judge of them, so he is the judge of us. This is what is said to those who are employers, managers, in Colossians 4, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. The Lord looks on us and that should create a sensitivity a humility, a thoughtfulness to think first about how we are in terms of what we're criticising. I think these are quite insightful things that we're looking at. First, seek God's kingdom. First, mend relationships. First, notice your own faults. And then there's another one. Here's the next. First, Get your inside clean. Jesus says, first, get your inside clean. For this, we're jumping nearer to the end of Matthew. We're actually in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus, with his holiness, with his wisdom, with his insight, he's exposing the hypocrisy of the religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees of the day. And he does so by seven woes. They make very challenging, thought-provoking reading. They're in Matthew 23. But here's the fifth one. It comes in verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Actually, it goes on to verse 26. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside may also be clean. You ever find you put... um, your cup in the dishwasher in the wrong angle and at the end of the whole process it comes out. You've got a gleaming cup but then you put it on the top perhaps to make your drink and you've still got in it sort of yesterday's blobs of drinking chocolate around the cup. 
Yeah, it's no good. Shiny on the outside, grubby on the inside. Well, we find it easy to be clean on the outside, don't we? We, we polish our reputations. We, we can be friendly and we can be polite and uh, we'll, we can be seen as godly or Christian or, or moral, however we like to use those terms. Uh, but the inside, Jesus says their inside was full of greed and self-indulgence. The outside, if you like, was just a disguise for what was going on. And the outside can sometimes be a disguise. We're seen as nice and respectable, decent, polite. But inside, we're just engineering things for ourselves. We're building things up for ourselves. We're, we're building up our reputation. We're satisfying our own greed. It's really underneath, underneath the veneer. It's all about us. It can so easily be like that. In the home, when the when Christian people aren't watching our lives, maybe we're just so different, so rude, so uncaring, so blatantly selfish, so impatient. Could it be that you at 9.30 today were so different from what you were at 11.30 today? The outside is the wrong focus, Jesus says. First, clean inside. First, clean inside. There can be so much horrible stuff inside of us, can't there? Jesus brings us out in Mark chapter 7. He says to those he's talking to, what, co- what comes out of a person is what defiles him from, from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. First, clean inside, says Jesus. And it's harder cleaning inside, isn't it? You You think of your oven... Well, cleaning the outside of the oven, that's not too bad, is it? You just get a, a wipe and you, you give it a bit of a wipe and it's not too bad, it's quite shiny on the outside. But cleaning the inside of the oven, that's a different business, isn't it? You usually need some help, you need some sort of special strong chemical to spray around to act as a cleansing agent. We need some help for the inside cleaning job which has to happen. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need his work in our lives increasingly so that it's cleaner inside, not just on the outside. We need the fruit of the Spirit, these attitudes in our hearts. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that what we want as we go into 2022? Spiritual fruit inside, attitudes inside, cleanliness by the Spirit inside. It's a good way, it's a good priority to have. Going forward, it's more important to be clean on the inside 
than polishing the reputation on the outside. And maybe we need to recalibrate our priorities a bit as we go into the year. First, get your inside clean. Well, we've got our final one. And in many ways, it's the biggest one. Perhaps you've been a bit confused that we've got so many firsts. Well, how can they all be first? Well, they're all taught in Matthew. First things first is the title. The saying we have first, that there are a number of things which should be priorities. But I think this one is the biggest one. First, love God. First, love God. The others are... are Uh, mainly in response to specific situations, specific contrasts. You've got busyness and worry and you need to seek first God's kingdom. You've got friction and worship and you need to mend relationships. You're you're looking at people's faults and in respect of that you should be looking at your own first. You've got the outside gleam, you need to think of the inside. Addressing specific, important, big situations. But this, if you like, is overarching. This is the big tent which everything else goes inside comes out in Jesus's answer to the lawyer in Matthew 22 Matthew 22 let's read 35 to 38 and one of them a lawyer asked him a question to test him teacher which is the great commandment in the law and he said to him you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Love the Lord your God. It's personal, your God. Love the Lord your God. It's, very, it's entire, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. This is what the book was going into. The chapter I read, that illustration about the industrialist was at the start of loving God. This is priority number one, it was saying. And we fail and we need forgiveness but we know this is right, don't we? Because God is our creator and has made us. So we should love him because God is so kind and provides for us so many wonderful things and so we should love him because God is so wise and his ways are good so we should love him and love them. But the biggest motivation... The biggest motivation, we're going to explore this afternoon, those who are there at the communion time. What's the biggest motivation to love? We're going to be looking at 1 John 4 and verse 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. That's the fuel for this last one. We love God, we want to love God, because God has loved us so much. The other four things will be expressions of it.
This is the first and the great commandment. This is what 2022 is really about. Loving the God who has loved us. Is that what you thought 2022 was about? Loving God? Is that the big tent idea of 2022? Is that the umbrella which everything else sort of dangles from? Jesus says, this is the first and great commandment. You feel like a beginner. Lord, it is my chief complaint that my love is cold and faint. Yet I love you and adore. Oh, for grace to love you more. Well, your days as you go into this year will be filled with many things. Many things will be on the list. These are some of the things that need to be higher up. And what the day's about, that these are the things that really make a day, even if some of the other things uh, spill over to other days. First things first is Jesus. There's going to be many pebbles on the desktop of every day. Make sure we don't leave the big pebbles outside the jar. Jesus says, get first things first. Seek God's kingdom. Mend relationships. Notice your own faults. Get your inside clean. Love God. First things first for 2022. Well, let's pray on our own in response first before our final hymn. Maybe uh, one of those five points is particularly apt you want to turn it into a prayer before the Lord. Well, let's do so in our own hearts before we sing. Well, shall we finish with a hymn song which is good for New Year's time? Lord, for the years, your love has kept and guided, urged and inspired us, cheered us on our way, sought us and saved us, pardoned and provided. Lord of the years, we bring our thanks today. I stand to sing our last song.
prone to get our priorities wrong. We don't put the first things first that we should sometimes. We need the light of your word and the insight of the teaching of Jesus to recalibrate, to resort. We pray that as we have looked at these different aspects of his teaching this morning, that it may be helpful to us as we go forward. Especially, Lord, we pray that we might love you, to love you first, that other things may flow out of that. We do want to love you, Lord, as we go into the next year. You are our God. You are our good, kind provider. You are the wise um, teacher. You are the one who has loved us. So we do pray that you would help us to go forward, put in first things first. Make this morning uh, powerful and relevant to us in different ways, we pray. Amen.